thank you for joining us for a sermon from Sojourn North. Well, I was thinking about life a lot this week. I did a, a funeral on Tuesday of a, uh, one of our uh, members' fathers. He was 93 years old, lived a great life. But anytime you step into a funeral, you consider life. You consider, like, how has God led me? How am I seeking to be faithful? Uh, this man was 93 years old, faithful to his family. Uh, he was in the armed forces. It was just a beautiful thing. And then it just made me think, like, okay, I'm 49, going to 50. I don't know how much more time I got. I hope I got some more time. But thinking about how do we live a faithful life? How are we led by God? through the complexity of life. And even though my undergrad's in math, I used to be a math teacher, uh, and I love formulas, and I love figuring things out, when it comes to life, I don't really like formulas in the sense that if someone comes to you and says, hey, if you do this, if you invest here, this will happen, and this will happen, this is guaranteed. Because it's like, uh, maybe sometimes, but not always. Life seems to rarely work out like we want it to. And I'm just going to let you into my neurosis a little bit. I'm going to keep talking. So I was thinking about like some people are born, they grow up in a house and that house becomes their house and they work in a Ford factory 50 years and then they retire. Uh, And then others like me, my, my life has been like circuitous isn't the right term, but it's just been all over the place. When I was uh, from birth to 11, we moved around in uh, Texas and Oklahoma six different times, and then we ended up small town Oklahoma moving to Memphis. So you got big city Memphis. And then I went to college uh, at University of Memphis and thought, like, I didn't even know. I remember my advisor saying, like, hey, Chad, uh, you got to pick a major. You've been in college for two years, and you've taken all your general education courses. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, what classes do you like? I said, well, I like English and math. He's like, pick one. I was like, math? He's like, okay. And then I became a math teacher, but I retired after two years. But (laughs) when I was at University of Memphis, it was wonderful. But then I went to visit a friend at Union University, which is a smaller private school in Jackson, Tennessee, and my heart was drawn there, so I was led to go there. But it was at that place that I made friendships for life, and I met a a camp counselor from Mississippi who was recruiting, and I ended up going to Mississippi to work with the horseflies, and it was amazing. But from those relationships, I ended up moving to Atlanta to work with a homeless ministry, and then I moved up to North Carolina for more relationships from that camp, came back down to Athens, Georgia to marry a girl uh, after dating her for a few years, but her heart was pulled away, and... uh, all of life would have been changed if that marriage would have gone through. And so I went back depressed to North Carolina. Then I was at North Carolina. I was a hippie, kind of like long hair now. I was thinner, but I was traveling musician, sleep in my car, play music places. And uh, the pastors at the church said, Chad, we see this in you. You should go get some further education and we'll pay for you to go to seminary. So I moved to Louisville in 2004, ended up stumbling upon Sojourn. I've been here I sojourned 19 years, 16 years as a pastor, met Ginger at seminary. So the story goes on and on and on. And then I think about us coming out to Oldham County three years ago to start this new work. Like, it's just crazy thinking about how God leads. 
And then thinking about the complexity of life, you don't know what's going to happen today, let alone tomorrow or the rest of your days. You, you can plan, you can be faithful, but you just don't know. Curveballs can come at any corner. And then how do we live life wisely in the midst of not knowing? It can be anxiety-inducing. There's so much within our world that we just don't understand. And so even though I don't like formulas in life, today I'm going to give you a formula from Proverbs 3, and it applies. And here, standing before you as a 49-year-old man, many of you have lived more life than me, I can attest that God has been faithful, faithful to lead, faithful to direct, faithful to open doors and to close other doors for the best for me. And so when we think about Proverbs 3, Last week, Rusty gave a wonderful message on Proverbs 4. We're going back. We're thinking about Solomon with the wisdom that he has. He's going to communicate to us, this is how you do life. So I'm going to let you stay seated. This is a longer passage. It's in your bulletins. And my encouragement to you is this week, take this bulletin or just look at the passage and read it every day. Let it wash over you and think about these things. And then say, God, how are you encouraging me? How are you challenging me? What are you inviting me to? But I want to read Proverbs 3, 1 through 8, and 13 to 20. And uh, the outline's not real creative today. All I, do is, all I did was take Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and break it into four different parts. Uh, each part is going to be like an hour long, so just buckled up. Bad joke, not true. Um, but let's, let's try to seek God's heart and say, Lord, speak to me, challenge me today, and invite me. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Solomon writes, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver. And her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who will lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open. And the clouds drop down the dew. This is the word of the Lord. So, as we've been in Proverbs, we've, we've talked about how this is a collection of wisdom sayings. It's not guaranteed that if you do A, B will happen. But it's saying, if you live like this, more than likely this will happen. And a great parallel to that is Ecclesiastes, where it's just like, oh man, all heck is breaking loose. And it's just crazy over here. But when we think about Solomon in his wisdom, that he asked God for wisdom, when God says, ask anything you want, he asked for wisdom. Solomon was a wise king. 
but he didn't live wisely all the time. He was really messed up in many different ways with his relationships with women, with uh, marrying others who worship false gods and so many different things. But we can learn a lot from the book of Proverbs. And you can hear the, the heart of Solomon where he's saying, my son, do this. Don't do what I've done or do what I do. But follow these, these precepts of God. And the simple definition I've been using for wisdom this summer is seeing life from God's perspective and then seeking to live accordingly. Another way we put it as we've looked at the Gospels is this is what it means to live into the kingdom of God, that these are the kingdom principles to give your life away to gain life, to love others, to love God. It's all about relationships. So let's just go through Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And this... this uh, sermon really challenged me this week, and I'll, I'll be sharing a little bit why as we move on. But first thing, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So that's Proverbs 3.5. If you look back to Proverbs 3.3, 3, Solomon says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. When we're thinking about trust, we all have reasons to not trust. We've all been in relationships where we've been lied to or we've been deceived, and we have deceived others ourselves. And when we think about a relationship with God, we think about how those wounds from the world have affected how we view God. And even the disappointments we have in life, there are times where we are so disappointed where it's like, God, I thought this would happen, but this didn't happen. And it takes trust. And it's hard. But when we think about how even the phraseology that the psalm is using is that let not steadfast love and faithfulness depart from you. That steadfast love that he's talking about, the Hebrew word, is God's covenant love to his people. We just read it with Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing in all eternity. Nothing in all creation. But we think about the steadfast love of God that he is for you. He knows you by name. That this is the God that we're seeking to trust, even though we may not feel it and we may not even be able to understand it at times because there are times, whether it's mental illness that we deal with or the tragedies of life and we're being tossed to and fro like a boat on, on a wave-laden lake and it's, it's like, Lord, I, I don't trust, but I want to help me trust. And he's saying, my child, trust that I'm for you, that I know you, that I'm guiding and I'm protecting you. Growing in trust of God. This idea of trusting in the Lord is in Proverbs 3, 5 is this picture in the Hebrew uh, language of being able to lay down and submit before a master. Or if you're being attacked and an enemy comes before you, that you just, you surrender. And it's all about posture. It's a posture of humility to say, Lord, I trust you. And I think one of the greatest prayers that can bless the Father's heart is that when it seems like all the demons of the world are screaming at us, that all the circumstances look so dire. When we've been betrayed, when we've been hurt, when we feel like we're about to die, there are times in my life where I felt like I've been walking on a tight wire and I felt like I'm leaning off on each side and both sides are insanity. Like 
that's just how my makeup is. It's like, oh, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm sitting on a couch completely calm and serene looking, but inside I am, I'm dying. And I say, Lord, everything in this world says don't trust you. Everything in my mind and my heart says to bail and find comfort in the vices of this world. But Lord, I trust you. Help me trust you. And that is a a prayer that blesses the Father's heart. I believe it's this cosmic view to the angelic beings, to everything that says, look at my child, just like Job, look at my child who trusts me, even though he shouldn't. And that's our call. I thought about with my kids and thinking about how so much of the Christian life is talking about, like, hey, childlike faith, be a child who trusts in, trusts in the Father. Like, my kids, they never have to worry about their next meal. There's always food in the cupboard. My kids, if I say I'm going to pick them up at a certain time, I'm there. And that's a small but just a real picture that God is always present. And we may not understand, but he's saying, trust me with all you got. Trust me with all you got. It's a good point, too. Do not lean on your own understanding. When you think about understanding and leaning on it, um, I'd like to share uh, an example. Like, uh, do you know who leans on their own understanding? This guy. Isn't that a cheesy way to say that? I thought about that this week. I'm like, this guy. I lean on my own understanding. I have a mind that is always working. It's always churning. If I wake up at 3 a.m., it's going. And I'm trying to figure things out all the time. If something breaks, I want to figure out how to fix it. If there's a Wikipedia page, uh, I was looking up Stevie Ray Vaughan because I'm into rock and roll sometimes. But it was like, man, he died in a helicopter crash. What a talent. Like, but I'm logging in information all the time. I'm just trying to understand things. And so much of life, we cannot understand. We seek for understanding. But if we are looking to lean and trust in our own understanding, it will always lead us down a bad path. I feel like it's, it's like leaning against a, a piece of paper that's wet. It's like, no, it's not going to work. And when we think about our own understanding... For me, I feel like my mind is one of my greatest gifts, but it's one of my greatest curses. That's how it is in the Christian life, and how, that's how it is in life. Typically, our greatest strengths are our weaknesses. They go, they go sideways. But if I'm seeking to understand and, and trust in my own understanding, I'm on this highway that's going because the complexity of life is crazy. And the way my mind works, I just go, 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 because... It, if it's a 10-step plan that you have to go through, you really don't even know what step three is until step two takes place. And in my mind, I'll go down these paths, and what my therapist calls it is, is going down a highway, just like my mind takes me. And his invitation to me, and it's the invitation for God, is to take a rest stop and take that posture of submission to say, Lord, I'm trusting in my own understanding again, and I'm anxious. I am struggling and I can't understand. Help me to trust you. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says, neither are my ways your ways. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. And if you think about studying the universe and the complexity of of even just the earth in relationship to the sun, that if it's a little bit closer to the sun, we would burn up. If it was a little bit farther away, we would freeze to death. That God in his majesty and wisdom has placed everything as it needs to be. And he's saying, don't spend all of your energy trusting in these other things, your own understanding. And so as we think about moving on, thinking about verse 7, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. My question to you is the same question I had for myself. It's like, what are you trusting in? What are you leaning on in your life right now? Are you trusting in your, your job, your career path? Are you trusting in finances? Are you trusting in your own smarts? Is that what you're leaning on? Are you trusting in your ability to be witty? Most of you aren't as funny as I am, but if I leaned on my own wit, I'd just fall over all the time. But what, what are you trusting in? And the thing is, I've been doing this a long time. Do I trust in things other than God? Yeah. And it takes that just being able to step back and look like, oh man, I am so wrecked inside. Why am I so wrecked? Why am I so anxious? What? And it's like, Chad, you're trusting in your own intellect. You're trusting in your own giftings. Let that be a reminder to step back and just say, Lord, I want to lay those things down. You've given, to them, you've given them to me. They're, they're good things, but they are not God. I want to trust in you. Third point. So we've trusted the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our understanding. I was thinking about VBS this week. It's like we're only a couple weeks, and I'm still tired from VBS. But I thought about putting motions to this. It's like I don't know what it would be, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't know what the next one would be. <laughs> Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So it's this acknowledgement. And this, once again, is a daily posture of saying, I want to acknowledge that God is king of the universe. And once again, our view of God matters so much that he is all good and he is all powerful. When you put those things together, it's like, man, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. This is a daily acknowledgement. I have trouble sleeping quite often. And, um, when the kids were young, we would sing songs to them, um, so I thought I'd sing a song to you. It's from Psalm 4-8. Uh, you ready for this? All right, this is going to be on the Billboard Top 100 list. But it's Psalm 4-8. It's like, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O oh God, keep me safe. And then I would just repeat it. But it gave them peace. But there's this sense where it's the reality when we're laying down to sleep, that we have to come acknowledging to God, I'm laying down from my labors. I have no control over the world while I sleep. And as I wake up in the morning, help me re-enter the work that you desire for me to participate with. So there's acknowledgement at night. There's an acknowledgement in the morning where I say, Lord, you are my shepherd. I have all I need. Help me to follow you through this day. And there are points throughout the day where I'm just continually coming back and just saying, Lord, I acknowledge that you are king, and I want to follow you. And it's, I think it's just 
kind of crazy sometimes. Like my job is to be in the Word, to meet with people, to help them. And how often I can forget about God in the midst of all that. I'm even speaking the name of God. It's crazy. It's crazy. But that's our human condition. And we continue to come back and just say, hey, God's arms are open wide. Let's keep on coming back. He calls us to himself. This acknowledging is done throughout the day. The acknowledging again that I am not alone, that God is for me, he has a plan for me, that he hasn't forgotten my address, even though everything may look crazy and I don't understand, that he still has me. He still has you. And he's guiding you. He's leading you. You are safe in Abba's hands. Abba cares for you. He cares for you. And what's the promise? It's the final point. He will make your path straight. And this doesn't quite make sense to me logically sometimes, but I think about these things that I wanted so bad and God blocked them. And then maybe 10 years, 20 years later, I look back, maybe even the year after, and I'm like, Lord, thank you for not giving me that. There was a time where Sojourn East, before Kevin Jamison came, who's one of my dearest friends, uh, was without a lead pastor. And I, I talked to the original founding pastor, and I said, if you want me to, I, I'll, go, I'll go do that. But he's like, no, Chad, I need you here. This is this. It would have been totally different life that I lived. I would have quit pretty fast if I would have gone and done that. But it's thinking about just the grace of God and how he blocks things, how he leads things, that he's making our paths straight. And that is what he does. I want to live a good life. I want to be faithful to my church and my family. In order to do this, I have to trust in the Lord. At the fall with Adam and Eve, mistrust was planted And part of sanctification as we grow more like Christ is that we learn to trust God more and more and more. So the question I just have for you today is, where is your trust today? Where is God inviting you to trust more? What are you leaning on? And what is God saying? My child, you won't find life there. Lay that down and continue to come to me. Close our time before communion. My friend Scott Holman took Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and wrote his own translation. And I read it often because it's so powerful to me. It's just a prayer to the Lord. So I'd invite you, if you would, to bow your heads and hear this as a prayer. Scott writes, The Lord helping me, I will trust in you, Lord, with all my heart. And I'll not lean on my own wisdom, understanding, or resources. In all my ways, help me, Lord. I will acknowledge and submit to you. Trusting in you to make my path straight and life-giving so I don't have to. I can be free of that burden. I will not be wise in my own eyes, but will fear the Lord and shun what is evil. Trusting in you to give health to my body and nourishment to my bones. Hope and healing to my soul. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's given us life. He came and lived the perfect life. He marched to the cross and was punished with the punishment that was ours. Took the sin of the world on his shoulders so that we may be righteous before God. 
and he was raised on the third day, and he sets up this sacred symbol for us to say, remember, 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 every week, every day. This is one of the ways we acknowledge him, that by his body being broken, we're healed. By his blood being shed, we are forgiven. And so if you're a Christian here today, I'd invite you in a moment after I pray to come take the elements back to your seat and we'll partake in this all together in just a few moments. But to remember, man, God is for you. He has not forgotten you. His love for you is greater than you could dream or imagine. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening. For more information, you can visit sojournorth.com.